Executive producer Paula Apsel is here to talk about her new documentary, Resistance, They Fought Back, that's premiering at the Boston Jewish Film Festival, and give us her spin on our LGBTQ issues. Hi, Paula. Hi, Charlotte. Thanks for having me on your show. First of all, what's your reaction to the Israel situation? Uh, I am devastated by what's happening. And as you know, October 7th, which was Simchas Torah, a day of joy, turned out to be the bloodiest day for Jews, for Jewish people, since the Holocaust. And all I can think of is that never again has become again and again. But the world finally has to realize the idea that you can attack Jewish people with impunity is 100% wrong. They did fight back, they are fighting back, and they will fight back. Full stop. Tell us about your new documentary, Resistance They Fought Back. Okay, it's really hard to summarize it quickly, but I'll do my best. You know, we've all heard of the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising. But most people, whether they're Jewish or not Jewish, have no idea how widespread and prevalent Jewish resistance to Nazi barbarism was. Instead, sadly, it's widely believed that Jews went to their deaths like sheep to the slaughter. I'm sure you've heard that before. So we filmed in Poland, Lithuania, Latvia, Israel, and the United States to make this film resistant. They fought back to provide a much-needed corrective to this myth of Jewish passivity. In fact, in reality, there were uprisings in ghettos, large and small, rebellions in death camps, and thousands of Jews fought Nazis in the forest. And everywhere in Eastern Europe, Jews waged campaigns of nonviolent resistance against the Nazis. So, in one of the interviews that I conducted while researching this film, and I conducted about 150 interviews on Zoom because COVID was in full bloom when I got started on the research of this film, Professor Natalia Alexian of Turo College in New York told me that every year when she asked students in her modern Jewish history class what they know about the Holocaust, the answer is the same. The Jews went to their death like sheep to the slaughter. Now, that didn't surprise me because when I tell people I'm making a future documentary on Jewish Holocaust resistance, the response is very often a question. What resistance? So take the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising, probably the most well-known example of Jewish resistance. We've all heard of it. But... Paradoxically, and this is something that the scholar Avi Noam Pot of UConn and now NYU pointed out to me, paradoxically, many people believe that not only was it the largest Jewish uprising against the Nazis, it was the only uprising, which of course is completely untrue. So tragically and frighteningly, this myth of Jewish cowardice Jews as people who won't fight back is a common trope among anti-Semites and white supremacists. 
I actually recently, someone sent me an article in which General Michael Flynn, I don't know if you remember him, he was the former national security advisor to Donald Trump, said that Jews were to blame for the death of children in Auschwitz. Like, ridiculous, right? But it's also dangerous at the time of rising anti-Semitism. It's easy to say, consider the source, and it's true, Michael Flynn is an idiot, but these views are much more common than any of us would like to think. What was your inspiration for creating it? So, I have to take you back a little bit to describe my inspiration for creating this film. In June 1916, I was on location in Vilnius, the capital of Lithuania, which is known in Yiddish as Vilna, a very famous city known for Jewish learning and culture. It was called the Jerusalem of Lithuania. I was still a senior executive producer of the PBS Nova series at that time, which I had been at the helm of for about 35 years. So as cameras rolled, a group of archaeologists led by the late Professor Richard Freud, who was an inventor, one might say, of Holocaust archaeology, made an amazing discovery. You know, I had always talked as executive producer of NOVA of being there for the moment of discovery, but I have to tell you, it never happened to me until 2016, that day in Lithuania. And their work proved the existence of an escape tunnel secretly dug by 80 Jewish prisoners in a horrible place called Panari, a killing site where Germans and their Lithuanian collaborators murdered about 70,000 Jews during World War II. And on the last night of Passover in 1943, 80 Jewish prisoners climbed into the tunnel to make their escape. Most of them were shot, but 12 survived and they reached the forest where Jewish partisans were waiting for them. So before making this film, which we called Holocaust Escape Tunnel, and it was broadcast on Nova in 2017, where it was one of the most popular films that season, I had never heard of this tunnel dug by prisoners with spoons, shackled prisoners at Pona, or their heroic escape. And I began to wonder what other examples of Jewish resistance there were that somehow had been left out of my Holocaust education. And that began my odyssey to understand the Holocaust through the lens of Jewish resistance and to make a feature documentary to refute and contest that myth of Jewish passivity. What do you hope to accomplish with this film? Well, that's probably a multifaceted answer. When we think of the Holocaust, we focus on Jewish victimhood. And there's no question. During World War II, the Jews were the victims of one of the cruelest genocides the world has ever known. We think of the Jewish people who had to be rescued by non-Jews, by Gentiles. And indeed, there were some Gentiles who helped Jews. And Yad Vashem in Israel recognizes those Gentiles as righteous 
among the nations. But there's another side to the story. Jews who rescued other Jews. Jewish resistance in virtually every one of the 1,200 ghettos that the Germans forced Jews into, with weapons and without. 30,000 Jews who fought in the forests of Europe, denying the forests to the Germans and allowing Jews to use them to hide and escape. And uprisings in death camps. Of seven rebellions, six were led by Jews. How many people know this? Why isn't this a more important, well-integrated part of our Holocaust education? So, I didn't invent this story. Scholars have been writing about Jewish resistance for years, but somehow it has not broken through to popular culture. Every picture you see about Jews during the Holocaust is one of Jews as victims, not Jews fighting back. By making a film and distributing it as widely as I possibly can, that is what I'm hoping to do, to change that image of the Holocaust, to add to it so that resistance is a much larger part. What would you like to accomplish with your work? So you know that my background is as a science journalist. I spent about 45 years working for the PBS Nova Science Series, starting as a production assistant, then producing and directing science documentaries, and then taking the helm of the series as executive producer from 1985 to 2019. I love telling stories, and I love the documentary format. And most of all, I love telling new stories, compelling stories about science, about history, about the world we live in, and of course, about people. I want to surprise people by telling them something they don't know. It's really as simple as that. Nothing is as exciting as coming across a good story I don't think has been told before or told in the right way that I feel I can tell. Of course, this is nothing unique to me. I think that's a common feeling to all journalists, writers, filmmakers, all people with that creative bug they just can't shake. I'm sure you have it yourself, Charlotte. I know you do. And that's how I felt when I came across this idea of a film, a documentary about Jewish resistance during the Holocaust. I just couldn't shake it. It excited me. And I think I would have been very disappointed, disappointed in myself, if the stars hadn't aligned so that I could make this film. Your film couldn't be more timely uh, with the current situation in this country. We have a white nationalist problem with over uh, 600 anti-LGBTQ bills in states across the country. Uh, women's rights are on the chopping block. Anti-Semitism is on the rise. And this is all as we head into the 2024 election. What's your spin on all this? So I want to tell you, I'm no expert in the political situation in this country. I'm really just like any other voter. But I have to say, like any thinking person, this makes me sick. And we need to fight it with every weapon we have politically and personally. 
Look, I was in the workplace for almost 50 years. I experienced or I witnessed sexism, racism, anti-Semitism, anti-LGBTQ, and I saw firsthand how it robs people of agency and makes them feel powerless and afraid and completely destroys their creativity. So how much progress have we made since I entered the workforce in 1969? Some. We didn't even know what those isms were then. We didn't have a name for them. But now it seems it's all come back. If you point out 600 LGBTQ bills, anti-Semitism on the rise, women's right to care for their own bodies limited, it does feel like we're going back to the bad old days. Does it feel like we're headed down the path of Germany in the 1930s before World War II? I don't know. But I certainly can say that it's very frightening. And again, it's up to each of us as individuals to fight it, to show no tolerance for these kind of challenges to our human rights. We have to resist. You know, I feel very personally the situation in the Ukraine. When my husband and I, after we finished, he came with me on a film trip. He had never in all these years been with me as I directed a film. So he came with me as I co-directed with my colleague, Kirk Wolfinger, Resistance, They Fought Back. And afterwards, we went to Ukraine, where his mother was born. Although sometimes it was Ukraine, sometimes it was Austria-Hungary, sometimes it was Germany, sometimes it was Poland. We wanted to find her old house. So I have a personal feeling about Ukraine. And even though the history there in World War II, the Ukrainians and the Jews, was not so great, they were invaded by Russia, by another country. And now when I see support for them ebbing, I know what it felt like during World War II when no one supported the Jews. I mean, how the world could have stood by to see two-thirds of European Jewry decimated just kind of makes you question all of human nature. And now we're seeing it again. Never again has become again and again. And I have to say that just it's such a tragedy that you didn't learn from that genocide. And of course, that's not the only genocide that's going on. And yet the world stands by and watches whole peoples, their culture, their beliefs being decimated. Uh, I find it all extremely tragic. And yet you do feel powerless in a way to intervene. So you give to charities that help Ukrainians, for example, but it's not enough. It's never enough. With LGBTQ teens already four times more likely to attempt suicide than their heterosexual peers after facing bullying incidents, what advice would you have for these kids, especially in these challenging times? So I want to say something. This is a tough question, but it's one that as a parent I have personal experience with. So I have my own answer, which I feel very strongly. I would say to parents, first of all, 
If your kid is being bullied, get them out of that environment. Change schools. Do whatever you have to do to find a warm, loving, accepting environment, even if it means teaching them at home. Schools are often afraid of bullies, and they're afraid of the parents who are often bullies as well. Kids learn this at home, and for the most part, they don't change. Leaving children in an environment where bullying is tolerated in any way is untenable, and it won't get better. I say this from personal experience. Get the children out of there before something terrible happens. I know that that's easier said than done, but that is how I feel. How can people get information about resistance they fought back? Well, first of all, they can go on the Boston Jewish Film Festival website, and there's a description of the film, and they can get information about tickets. The first screening on November 2nd is sold out, but the second screening, which is at the Brattle Theater in Cambridge on November 9th, is not that tickets are available to that. So they can get information about the film and about the tickets on bostonjfilm.org. And they can go on our website, which is theyfoughtback.com, all one word, theyfoughtback.com. That will tell you the synopsis of the film, what's it about, there's a trailer, and uh, it will also tell you about the seven film festivals that the film has been selected for so far. And we're really excited about the website There's a lot of information about Jewish resistance during the Holocaust. So I urge people to take a look. What other projects are you working on? So here and there, I enjoy helping friends and colleagues with their film. I'm sort of an executive producer without portfolio. And I'm working now with a very talented producer-director named Larry Klein, Larry and I worked together, I'd say, on probably 25, maybe more, Nova documentaries, and I'm working as executive producer with him on a film about the Holocaust artist Felix Nussbaum and the role that art played in Holocaust resistance. That's a whole new area for me, the idea that art was a form of resistance and that this painter who was in Brussels during most of the Holocaust and eventually sent to Auschwitz. And his work is incredibly powerful in depicting how an artist uses his or her creativity to fight the Holocaust. But I also have to say that distributing a film is a lot of work. And I anticipate that I will be working to get resistance out there at festivals, theaters, television, streaming, colleges, universities, synagogues, and community organizations, probably for at least a couple of years to come. My commitment was always to make sure that the story of Jewish resistance was spread far and wide. And at this point, with the first festival opening the film on November 2nd, 2023, we're just starting to get to that goal. So I think that there is still a lot of work to do. 
Is there a question you wish people would ask you? I don't know whether I wish people would ask me this or I wish that they wouldn't. But I think that something that is unsaid is how does my Jewish identity play into my interest in Holocaust resistance? I think that's an important question. I like to think that no matter what my background, I'd be concerned about the Holocaust and I'd be concerned about other genocides as well. But to be completely honest, there's no question that the fact that I'm Jewish makes my relation to Holocaust history very powerful. To me, a more complete recounting of Holocaust history that gives a prominent role to Jewish resistance is essential, first, to the tapestry of our shared human experience. After all, how does the saying go? Those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it. But also to Jewish pride and identity. And that is a matter of great importance to me, especially now at a time of rising anti-Semitism. It is so important to me that people know the history of the Holocaust includes a proud history of Jewish resistance to the Nazis. Do you have a favorite quote or mantra to get you through difficult times? I really had to scratch my head for this question, Charlotte. But I have to say, when I work on the film, the poem by Hannah Senesch, who worked for the British as a spy during World War II to assist the anti-Nazi forces and to help Hungarian Jews who were about to be deported to Auschwitz. She was essentially caught and executed. So this poem is called in Hebrew, Yesh Kochavit, There Are Stars. And it totally captures my feeling and my motivation for making my film. And I guess the obligation that I feel to remember and to memorialize those Jews who resisted the Nazis. And that's not a small group. It's a very large group. Historians have been studying the Holocaust for more than 70 years now. But the narrative that has reached the public remains incomplete, especially where Jewish resistance is concerned. So in my view, before any time elapses, we owe it to history to the memory of those who confronted this unimaginable evil to set the record straight. I think you see what I mean when I tell you the words. They go like this. There are stars up above, so far away we only see their light long after the stars themselves are gone. And so it is with people that we loved. Their memories keep shining so their time with us is done. But the stars that light up the darkest night, those are the lights that guide us. As we live our days, these are the ways we remember. We remember. As we live our days, those are the ways we remember. We remember. <laughs>